Hello, and welcome to Smart Supply Chain, a podcast produced by ALOM, featuring industry experts offering insight and clarity on a variety of supply chain topics. I'm your host, Jennifer Duell. As an environmentally and socially conscious global supply chain services provider, ALOM offers Six Sigma quality, technology leadership, flexibility, and true customer focus. ALOM delivers its clients' products flawlessly, enriching the end user experience and upholding their brand reputations. Our guest expert is Christopher Young, Vice President of Operations for ALOM, and this is part two of our conversation, the evolving ROI of robotics and supply chain. I'm excited to continue our conversation, Chris. Tell me a little bit about the biggest benefits to robotics. I'm curious if there's benefits that are immediately obvious with using robotics and then some that might be more surprising. I think one of the main ones that don't get enough credit is within quality. I'd say robotics read something and do something at the same time, and that's where human error comes involved. And I'd say a lot of the repetitive things, you know, like if you're just pushing a box from one conveyor to the other and you're reading something off of that box, it becomes second nature, but you also get distracted. You lose your train of thought. You let a box go by that shouldn't have gone by. And that quality aspect of it isn't talked And that quality is very important for the customer, right? A lot of times within the logistics space, our job is to take something that's perfect and beautiful and make sure that it makes it to the end user perfect and beautiful so that the customer has a great experience. And when a person makes a mistake, I don't think people realize how detrimental that is to the customer and the customer experience. And I don't think that's talked about enough. You know, Jennifer, if you're sitting at home and you get a box from Alom and you're so excited and you're going to open it and it's going to be some product from a skincare company that we have and you open the box and it's not what you ordered or it isn't your order, Alom's not on that box. But what's your impression? What's your experience? Are you likely to purchase from that company again? I think you make a good point. The cost of disappointing a customer. So we have quality as being one of the ways that robotics makes a difference. We have safety being one way. And then in quality, you're talking about accuracy. What are some of the other places? I mean, the resources that are required to hire people and to find people, there's a lot of turnover in warehouses. Am I correct about that? Yeah, there's a lot of turnover and there's still just a general shortage. I'd say we're officially out of COVID for the current government, but we still haven't seen that. We've seen some relief within general warehouse workers and the numbers that come out. But there's still a general shortage. Unemployment's at a historic low, 3.5%. That's essentially full employment. And a lot of employees have choices, right? And if a warehouse worker is making X and they can make X plus $10 down the street doing something else, it's hard to attract workers. 
And as you have to raise your wages to combat this, then that has to be, that has to go somewhere. And we can stave off some of those costs by putting in robotics. Now, over time, this repetitive motion, I don't need this person, but this person was never available in the first place. We're not supplanting a job. I couldn't find someone to do the job. And now we have a robot doing it. And I think the initial conversation about robotics replacing people's jobs was perhaps before this extreme labor shortage occurred. And I think that that's another thing that's worth pointing out that what you just said, robotics aren't replacing a person because that person wasn't available. (laughs) Yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny market. And COVID really changed the labor force and where the labor force lives, resides, what they do. And there's still a lot of choices out there for them. And a lot of people will come back to me and say, just pay more and you'll have more people. But where does that cost go? You know, where is that coming from? Do we charge more to our end customers? And you have to think about it from the associate standpoint. This is where inflation comes in. And this is why inflation is so high. And we hit a record when it came to inflation at, you know, 9%. You know, now I have to pay more to get Jennifer to come to work. Instead of making X, she makes X plus five. I have to pass that on to the customer. So now, you know, Jennifer, you make X plus five, but you're super happy about it. But then when you go to order your stuff, instead of it being $1, it's now $1.50. Right. It is that circle of costs being passed along because of a scarcity. I mean, it is simply like the whole idea of supply and demand. Exactly. And now, what if I told you that I could keep the price a dollar? I just needed to spend a little upfront money and have a piece of technology do the same thing that I couldn't hire someone to do. And that's where robotics comes in and has changed and changed the dynamic. And I think that's why people see that it's not replacing jobs. It's taking jobs that no one wanted in the first place. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about the idea of ROI. I mean, every organization that has a supply chain in one way or another is going to look at return on investment differently. And you had mentioned earlier with the cost of robotics prior to COVID being inaccessible because of how much time it took for the ROI to occur. Tell me about the ROI conversation with robotics and how that conversation has changed. It's really the price point. It's a couple things. I think you've got two pressures coming each way. Let's take a standard robotics application. The price point was probably $10 million six, seven years ago. And now that same price point is down to $2 million. And what you're getting for $2 million is 300% better than the $10 million version. And $2 million is still a lot of money, but the difference is now on the labor aspect of how I'm getting the return on investment you have to factor in the price in which you could have hired that person, not the price that you want to hire the person. And I think that's where a lot of ROI numbers could be skewed one way or the other to prove a point. That's an excellent point. It's not 
your ROI numbers need to be based in the reality of the marketplace, not your fantasy. <laughs> exactly. And so a lot of people, a lot of companies will, they'll do ROI and I'm just, this is just a random number. It's not anything of truth, but let's just use $20 an hour. The associate makes $20 an hour, which is a lot of money in some places and a little bit of money in some places, but I'm just throwing the number out there. So let's not get stuck on the $20 an hour. At $20 an hour, if I'm going to market at $20 an hour and I do my return on investment on a $2 million capital spend or CapEx project, right? And I do it on $20 an hour, it's going to show a very terrible ROI. But if I could never hire anyone in the first place for $20 an hour, then it's not a true ROI. If the marketplace changes and we can't hire anyone, at $20 an hour, you can't use $20 an hour. You have to use the going market rate of what you can hire. And if the going market rate is $40 an hour, and I'm just using numbers, it's $40 an hour, then you have to do your ROI on $40 an hour, even though your company is trying to hire someone at $20 an hour. But there is no one at $20 an hour. And this is where you can see a lot of engineering groups and a lot of CapEx projects come and die by the assumptions that are put into it. And I think that changed. You had two inversely proportional things happening at the same time that really made this stuff pencil out really quickly during COVID. And we haven't seen the prices of robotics and automation as the technology has gotten better. It's only gotten cheaper. We're not seeing it go up. We're just seeing better application of it. With the inability to hire people for these roles, the robotics is the only solution if you want to continue to have a business and move forward. Very true. And I think that's where a lot of companies found themselves in 2021 and 2022. You've got, you know, what we call fill rates, right? So within the industry, if I try to hire a hundred people, how many do I hire? And we call them fill rates. And before COVID, you're in the high nineties for fill rates. And during COVID, you saw fill rates in the 30, 40% range, right? So here I am and I need to do round numbers, 100 orders. To do 100 orders, I need 10 people. And if I go to market and to go to hire 10 people and I have 10 job openings and I only can hire four people, no matter how long I have the other six job openings for, you're going to find yourself into a problem. And you can either raise your wages to try to find the other six people and pass those costs on, or you can look for other solutions. And that's a lot of what's happened in today's market. The other thing is a, there's a lot of new companies within the robotic space. Because of that situation and how much robotics were being purchased, a lot of companies were coming to market with products and they were being purchased by companies because that was what was available. And that helped those companies get onto the map. And now instead of there just being one choice or two choices max for robotics within logistics space, now you go to a robotics convention for logistics and there's 90. You have companies that don't typically play in the robotics space that are scanner companies. There's one I'm thinking of that 
They're just known for handheld scanners now have robotics applications and robots that work on the floor with the associate. It's a very exciting time and place to where companies that that's not their norm saw the need, saw the want within the market and found stuff to bring the market. And it's really good products. Just like with anything, there are pros and cons. There are some drawbacks to robotics or maybe things that need improvement. So what do you see as being maybe things that need to change with the existing marketplace of robotics or the way people are thinking about it? What do we see as being some of the drawbacks? It's a loaded question, but I'll try to answer it this way. I think some of the drawbacks are in the versatility of the robots. You know what I mean? I think a lot of what goes into the robotics where, you know, you'll have just a basic robot that picks an item and delivers an item. The functionality of that is still very narrowed. Do you mean like the robot is a one-hit wonder almost? Like they can only do one thing? Exactly. And I can only do one thing where... A lot of companies still need them to do multiple tasks versus just one task. And that's where the I'd say the downside is. Not a lot of companies, like I used an example earlier in the cast of putting something onto a pallet, right? How many companies have someone that just needs to do this all day, every day? You know what I mean? And it's a one-hit wonder, like you'd say. And can that robot be tasked to do other things? Or is it just for stacking pallets? And that versatility is where robotics really needs to evolve for it to really take the next step. Yes, it got into the marketplace and it filled orders to, you know, where we couldn't get associates. It's filling tasks that associates just didn't want to do. But on a company standpoint, we really need them to do more versatility versus a one-hit wonder. I would also say is the size of the robotics. Really, as much as they've come to market and been very much prevalent, their footprint, if you think of an ESG side of it, you know, an environmental side, the robotics is still very large. You know what I mean? It still takes up a ton of space. And that space makes your warehouse bigger. That warehouse is being bigger means more acreage and land that has to be developed. And more energy to cool or heat and exactly. more light and energy exactly. and electricity to, to light it. I hear what you're saying. I actually, I only like a certain type of ice. You know, the little round ice that is the good ice from like Chick-fil-A, right? So obviously in my refrigerator, I can get a full cube of ice or I can get crushed ice. And I'm neither one of those appeals to me. And so my husband says, stop complaining about the ice, buy an ice maker that makes your good ice. And I said, okay, that sounds good. And then I looked at these ice makers, right? And their footprint is massive. To your point about like robotics taking up so much space, obviously this is not robotics with the ice maker, but now there's less space in my kitchen to do what needs to be done because I'm an ice snob. And so to your point about robotics, you either have to get a bigger warehouse or you have to make room for it. And what does that mean? Less inventory, less ability to carry like certain products. And so that is a very good point to be made. 
Yeah, and if everyone goes and buys one of those ice makers, then the companies will develop smaller and smaller ice makers. So it's just- apparently the world isn't as spoiled as me about their ice. <laughs> I will have to email some people for you. Yeah. So any other, can you think of any other really, I really like the point that you made about the versatility, which is frankly, one of the benefits of a human, right? They're versatile. Anything else that you feel is something that it may be with the next iteration of robotics that will be addressed? The sky's the limit, really. I think the size, the versatility of it, what it's ability to do will become greater and greater. I think its interactions with human beings will become more and more prevalent. And I think that's probably one of the next synergies of how can this piece of robotics, let's say it's on wheels, it has a little platform and it drives around with you and it can be a helping aid to allow the associate to work more efficiently and faster is where I see an, another evolution coming to a lot of people have to move around a warehouse and pick different items. Imagine if you had a piece of robotics that followed you around that you could pick the item into. And we're starting to see spaces that happen within spaces and robots starting to do that. And the footprint on the sides of them are starting to come down. And that's pretty neat. So it's like the human robotic partnership. Exactly. Instead of just a robot going and doing the task, what are some synergies that the robot and the human can do together? I think that sounds wonderful, really. I mean, because think about what a person can accomplish with unlimited strength or like a robot that doesn't get tired. And then what a robot can accomplish with a human's brain. Exactly. And that's where the next evolution will be. And that's exciting. And what's changed is remember a lot of these robots, they didn't want, they don't want people around their safety concerns of will the robot stop in time? Will the robot see the person in time? It's like asking a person to go work on a freeway. There's a lot of inherent danger and risk. And as different technologies and automation that's being put into cars for self-driving, a lot of that automation technology is going into robotics and how they work on a floor or a warehouse floor. That's finding the safety parameters that are needed and getting a lot of the programming within the robots to be able to have these kind of interactions that didn't exist six years ago. Six years ago, there was no human machine interface or interaction because you were worried that the robot was going to run over the human being. And we're starting to see the evolution within that space and everything that you just discussed and talked about, that's becoming available. And what's changed software-wise in the last six years and what have people been putting a ton of money into? Self-driving. And what's the principle behind self-driving? That's essentially having a robot interact with a human and make all of the decisions that a human would make and using sensors to understand its surroundings and understanding its surroundings, it can make the right decisions. And we're seeing that within the robotic space, especially on the warehouse floor. It sounds like 
a really exciting time to think about the future of supply chain. I mean, I see this great potential of robotics and supply chain. Maybe that's more exciting than the opportunities in a lot of other industries that you would think would be more, I guess, embracing of robotics. Yeah, 100% agree. Like the evolution has been fast and rapid and, you know, where we'll be in 10 years will be pretty amazing. And I'm excited to see where it goes because it'll just make just everything a little bit better. It'll take those pressures off and for the end user, that's going to cause, you know, cheaper prices. We won't see the inflation that we see because you won't have so much labor pressure and the versatility will be so good. The interaction will be so much better. It'll be interesting to see what logistics, specifically logistics, looks like in five, 10 years. I don't think we can imagine it. In like 2030, or 2035. Yeah, I think it looks very different than it does today. And I think a lot of the warehouses and warehouse spaces will be fully automated. You know, a pallet will get received by a person and robots will put it away and store it and know exactly where it needs to go. And anytime you need it, you're just going to hit some keys on a pad and a robot's going to bring you the pallet and you're going to grab what you need and it's going to take it away. So you have a single person in the warehouse. Instead of them talking to themselves, they pretty much create friends with the robots and talk to them. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to to name them. My best friend is made out of metal. Yeah, we'll have Um, to name them and give them little homes to go to. Exactly. Okay, I've enjoyed our conversation a lot. I've learned a lot, and I appreciate you stopping by the podcast to share your insights. Anytime. It's been a pleasure. It was a good conversation. It went by so fast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Supply Chain. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information or to contact ALOM, go to alom.com. That's A-L-O-M.com.